turn with me in your Bibles to uh, turn with me in your Bibles to Second Corinthians, looking at Second Corinthians chapter five. What book did I say? We're going to Second Corinthians chapter five. Say, I got it when you're there. And we're looking at verse 10 and it reads and declares, for we must all everybody say, oh, we must all says we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one. Some I say all of us that each one may receive what is due for what he or she has done in the body. Whether good or evil. It's probably not your favorite scripture to go and read, is it? For some of you, are like, oh, no, I'm not turning there today for my devotion time. And so, uh, so as you know, last week I started this series uh, called Game of Thrones. And I just want to talk about this for a second. So there are two chairs up here. I want to start this way. There are two chairs up here. Uh, you know, the chairs look identical. Would you agree with me? Okay. By looking at by looking at these chairs, can you look at them and tell that there's aside from the you know maybe little bit of surface uh, faults or whatever? Would you be able to look at them and say you know something's wrong with with any of them with either of them? Why? Because they look the same from the outside. Are you with me this morning? And so when I look at these chairs, I'm looking. I'm like, man. I mean, there's 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 no way in many cases for me to look on the outside and come to a conclusion that there's anything that is lacking. Uh, aside from the surface details that are there. And so the only way for me to determine if this chair is in the position or uh, if this chair has any issues with it, what would I have to do with them? I'd have to test it, right? I'd have to sit on it. I'd have to look and see, okay, you know, so looking at the chair, just, you know, going ahead and just, I can sit on this and, and nothing happens. I'm looking at it and, you know, the chair at face value and even now from me testing it, I noted that it's secure, that there's structural integrity on this chair. Are you going to say it with me this morning? You know, but as I move over to this one here, it looks exactly the same. And I go to test it and, and look at what happens. Come on, somebody. Pastor Andrew tries to prove points. We go far to prove points. And so at the end of the day, there's no reason, there's no way that by looking at those chairs... That I could have told that there was something lacking. There's no way that I could determine the structural integrity of these chairs just by face value. Come on, somebody. It would take me having to go a little bit deeper by testing this to reveal, come on, the condition of these chairs. And one of the words that people are scared of in scripture is judgment. And as I told you last week, many people, you know, when we talk about because the word Game of Thrones, it's just a play on word because ultimately judgment is something that we can't escape in our lives. I talked to you last week about the fact that we judge. Everybody say we judge. And I told you, I challenged you around what Jesus says in regards to how we judge. But how many of you know that even though God gives us principles and talks to us around our judgment, that there that even our judgment is flawed? As the Bible declared, as I told you about what he said in regards to David, when the prophet Samuel in the book of Samuel, which is in the first half of the Bible, as God was preparing to anoint the new king over the people of God, that the Bible declared that man looks on the what? The outward appearance. 
But God looks on the heart. We usually judge based on the outward appearance. And the Bible makes it clear a tree is known by its fruit. But then Jesus went on in Matthew 7 and made it clear that sometimes you see fruit, but just because it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it doesn't always mean it's a duck. So sometimes the outward appearance can be deceiving. Are you with me this morning? And so ultimately our judgment, our throne is flawed. But I came today to talk to you about something uh, that the Bible, we can't get away from in scripture. And it is God's judgment. And so the first thing that I want to establish, you know, I want to call this message uh, Judge Jesus. You've seen Judge Judy. You've seen Judge Mathis. Today I want to talk about a flawless judge named Judge Jesus. Come on. And so at the end of the day, I want you to understand, this is the first thing. If you're writing, I'd love for you to write this down. God is the only sovereign, infallible judge of the universe. Everybody say that with me. Say, God is the only sovereign, which means he can do whatever he wants to do, infallible judge of the universe. In other words, he is without error. There is nothing that can hide from him. He is inerrant. He is infallible. And therefore, he is the only capable judge to be, ha- to be able to have a perfect perspective of our lives and our universe and make and, uh, and determine the structural integrity of our lives and execute or make decisions based upon what it is that he sees. Eternal decisions somebody say eternal decisions you think that you know even all of the things that we do on this earth and the decisions that we make as it pertains to people's lives all of those things are temporary and we don't have the capability of making eternal decisions for others come on somebody but god is the only sovereign infallible judge of the universe i hear the the psalmist declare in psalm chapter 24 can i talk some bible The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. The earth is the Lord's, Psalm 24 verse 1, and the fullness, everything that's in it, the fullness thereof, the world and they, everyone, that dwells therein. God is the creator of the universe. He is the sustainer of the universe. Come on, somebody. Acts 17, 28 says, in him we live. You can write it down. Check it out. In him we live, we move, and we have our being. And so not only, not only is he a God uh, that is the creator, but he is the sustainer. He is the sovereign judge of all things. And in the book of Daniel... Uh, I want you to to check this out. We see that the Bible talks because of God's sovereignty. He is able, he is in the position to judge. Daniel is in the first half of the Bible. It's after the book of Ezekiel. And at the end of the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 12, we find uh, verses 1 through 3. It talks about the end of time. You can put it up on the screen if you can find it uh, for us. So it says, at that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge over your people. Michael is an archangel. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never has been since, uh, since was a nation till that time. But at that time, your people shall be delivered. And that's some good news right there. 
everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. You're going to hear about the book. Everybody say the book of life. Those people will be delivered. And many of those who sleep in the dust, speaking of those who have passed, of, of the earth shall awake. Some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the, uh, of the sky above. They'll, they'll shine like a diamond. <laughs> and those who turn many to righteousness. Speaking about those of us who evangelize and encourage people to come to Christ and experience Christ. Come on, that's some good stuff. Turn to many to righteousness like stars forever and ever. So there's a day that's coming at the end of time. There's a time of trouble that's going to come. There, there is somebody who is known as the Antichrist. Everybody say the Antichrist. Can we talk about Bible today? And he's coming and he's going to do some crazy stuff. But those of us who are believers prior to Christ's coming and prior to this time, we'll be delivered out of this, the Bible says. And then there's a resurrection that it talks about. Where those who have died, some based upon what has transpired in their life before they went to sleep or died, in, died, they're going to rise to eternal life. Others will rise to destruction. Can I talk about what the Bible says today? And you're still going to love me after. So, uh, so Daniel talks about this and we also see, write this one down because I don't have too much time. Romans chapter 2 verses 6 through 8. It also talks about judgment and God's judgment and how God is a righteous judge and how watch this when we're talking about God's throne and God's judgment each and every single one of us somebody say everybody each and every single one of us is going to have to give an account whether saved or unsaved meaning whether you've given your life to Christ or haven't given to your life to Christ we are going to give an account for what we did with Jesus's life that he's given us how many of you know your life is not your own see some of think that because you choose what type of clothes you put on come on somebody because you like black uh you like you like makeup and you choose the makeup that you want and you choose the clothes and I decided I want to go Wakanda forever today that that means that I own my life. But how many of you know. Earth is the Lord's the fullness of the world. And they that. God owns your life. And he has simply loaned. The breath and the life to you. That you have right now. And so just like. When you lend out your lawnmower. And that, well, some of y'all saying. I don't have a lawnmower. I don't know. When you lend out your Game Boy. Or your, what, what, what else do we have? I don't know. Cell phone. There we go. And if so, when do you get it back? You, you want to, hey, what did you do with my phone? Come on, somebody. It's some apps on here that I didn't download. $3.99, $5.99. Come on, somebody. I didn't give you permission to purchase those apps. You see where I'm going? What do you do with the life that God has given you? We will have to give an account. And so there are two aspects of God's judgment. Somebody say two. The two aspects, number one, judgment in terms of evaluation, God evaluating our life, God testing our life. We're getting ready to look at this in a second. But also judgment in terms of execution. So there's judgment in evaluation. Everybody say evaluation. And then there's execution. Everybody say execution. In other words, what is determined or what happens in your life 
is based upon God's evaluation of where your life is at. Can I keep it real this morning? And so just as this test, just as these chairs, as I tested those chairs, we are coming to a place where our lives will be tested. And I'll read 2 Thessalonians. Uh, 2 Thessalonians is in the New Testament, which is the second half of the Bible. And so 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, I love it, and verse 5, it declares and says, This is evidence of the righteous judgment of God. Remember I told you God's judgment is righteous? The righteous judgment of God that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are also suffering. Talking about those who are suffering for the sake of the gospel or suffering as they go out and love on people and encourage people to follow Jesus. He says uh, in verse 6, since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you. How many of you know that you don't have to repay uh, uh, people for what they do against you when you stand and live as a Christian? God is the ultimate judge who not only evaluates but also executes righteous judgment. And to grant relief to those who are afflicted as well as to us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire. Come on. None of those movies you want. Infinity Wars don't have nothing on this. And he goes on and he says, he makes it clear, from heaven with his mighty flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel, which means to give your life to Christ or put trust or respond to the amazing, unequivocal love of Jesus Christ. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might when he comes on that day. Somebody say on that day. On that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among all who have believed because of our testimony as you believe. And then he goes on, he makes it clear and he says that you, he hopes that you be found worthy of his calling and all of this. And, and, and ultimately, so as I'm sharing with you, you know, this is important for us to understand because now we all just want to talk about pixie dust and oh, Jesus loves everybody and we're just, and he does love everyone. But that doesn't mean that we can be irresponsible with the life that he's given us. Are you with me this morning? And so these are two aspects of his judgment, evaluation, and we talk about uh, execution. But not only this, some of God's judgment is executed immediately. Others uh, are delayed until the end of time. So some of God's judgment happens immediately. So we look in the Old Testament and we see, like, yo, God used to be on some serious stuff in the Old Testament. And I want to keep it real with you guys because God's not big Burger King. You can't have him your way. And so some are like, oh, I don't like that. Well, I'm just telling you what scripture talks about. The ground used to open up and swallow people and when, for doing crazy stuff. And then when Jesus showed up, he softened the blow through the gospel. It's amazing. He came and he died for us and he took the wrath of God. But the fact of the matter is that God oftentimes will still cause judgment and execute judgment in our life from his righteous and his loving and his merciful throne into our lives. Scripture declares and makes clear. If you read the book of Acts chapter 5, I'm not going to go there. I'm just going to summarize. There's two people called Ananias and Sapphira. And they thought that they were individuals that could pull a fast one on Jesus. They were like, yo, we're going to cheat. We're going we're gonna to make it seem because it was time for offering. And they're like, we're going to try to trick the people of God 
And the Bible makes it clear that they were not lying unto men, but they were lying to God. Oftentimes when we do what we do, we think that what we're doing is, is hurting only people. But we don't realize that we're actually affecting God when we misuse what it is that God has given us. And the Bible says that right there, both of them were struck down dead. It's in the Bible. And many of us say, we say, oh, that was Old Testament. I mean, remember Old Testament? That stuff only happened in the Old. Here's an example of God executing judgment immediately in the New Testament to remind us of the fact that you and I don't just live listlessly and think, oh, we, I told you we walk around talking about only God can judge me. Yeah, only God ultimately can judge you. But I don't know if that's something to brag and boast about. Can I keep it real this morning? And so here we find in the scriptures, we, it, it's clear in Acts chapter 5, go read that story. You know, we even find righteous people like Moses. Moses goes ahead and strikes a rock when God told him to speak to the rock. Moses was the, was the dude that led the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage. God used him to split the, a Red Sea and cause people, yes, Samantha, to walk all the way through the water on dry land while the water split. And Moses was disobedient. He struck a rock instead of speaking to it. And God, he was supposed to go to the promised land, which was Canaan, and lead the people of God there. And he missed that opportunity. God says, you're not going no more because you decided get in your flesh and get angry and strike the rock instead of speaking to it like I told you. Come on, somebody. Sometimes, here it is, God's judgment is immediate. Uh, some will happen at the end of earth. Some of it ends, are the end of time. Are you still with me? And so, you know, there's a number of them. Even Acts chapter 12, 20 to 25. Go look at it when you get a chance. Write it down. Acts 12, 20 to 25. King Herod, how he gets judged immediately as well. And so there's the, there are these examples of judgment which will take place. Sometimes it takes place immediately. And fear will come on the people of God to remind them that God ain't no joke. And so the fact is, though, however, there are some judgment that will, t- that will happen at the end of time. And there are many, as you know, ha- who we think, and we're in a position where we think like, you know, that some people are godly and that they've given their lives to the Lord or, you know, or we think that we have to execute judgment on people, not realizing that it's God's responsibility to do this. Matthew chapter 25, I'm going to read this. This is an example of the end of time where we'll give an account and I'm going to talk about it. Verse 31 through 41. This is the final judgment. It says, when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Game of Thrones. Here we go. He'll sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations. How many nations? And he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on the right, come you who are blessed by the father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. So his sheep, those who have given their lives to him, who have responded. Those of us who have responded by giving our lives to him. The Bible says that he's going to usher us in to his kingdom, his eternal kingdom. But then he goes on and says, and he tells them that this was seen, that they were prepared for the kingdom because 
of the way that they loved on people. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was in jail, you went and visited me. When I was in tough places, you loved on me. And he says, and they're going to ask, we're going to ask, when did we do that? And he's going to say, the least that you do unto one of those who are out there in the world, you've done it unto me. And so the sheep, he go, go to the right. The goats who represent those who reject the amazing love of God. He takes them to the left. And the Bible, the Bible makes it clear. He says in, uh, and, and in verse 46, it says, And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. The Bible talks about it. And this is real. And so this is happening at the end of time. So there's judgment that can be executed in our life immediately, but there's also judgment that happens at the end of the world when God comes back and we are in that position. So this is where I'll go next. I want to tell you every living creature will stand before God's throne. Every living creature will stand before God's throne. And you're going to stand before God's throne for judgment at death. Or at Christ's return. So we see two times that it talks about in scripture. When we will stand before God's throne. As we looked in our scripture. Our main scripture for today. It says we all must appear. One more time. Say all. All. We all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. We all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And so that lets us know that this is going to transpire. And in fact in Romans The book of Romans, do a little Bible study today. You can write this down, read it thoroughly after Romans chapter 14, verse 11 and 12. It says, uh, for it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow to me and every tongue will confess to God. So everybody, no one's getting away from standing before God and in his judgment seat. And it says, so then each one of us will give an account of himself to God. How many of you know that you can't stand before God with your grandmama? Oh, well, my grandmama was a believer. My grandmama, she could pray the heavens down. When she prayed, she could cast out devils. And she used to read her Bible from morning till evening. That's not going to get you. That's not going to give you brownie points with Jesus. Each one of us, the Bible says will have to give an account for himself. This is why the Bible makes it clear, and trust me, there's good news. Some of those, those of you that showed up, and you're like, oh man, this is just doom and gloom. No, there's good news. Somebody say good news. This is why 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, makes it clear that we've got to check our own, examine ourselves. Come on, somebody. To see if we're in the faith. It makes it clear. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, makes it clear that we have to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling so while you're thinking about somebody else this is why he says we will have to stand before the judgment seat for ourselves. check your own self where are you this is why we are encouraged this wise and so this happens either when jesus returns as i shared with you but also when it is that or when we die because you might pass away god forbid but you and i might pass away before jesus returns and this is why hebrews chapter 9 verse 27 declares that we it is appointed once for everyone to die and then the judgment it's appointed it doesn't say that there's a day when god is determined you're going to die on this day because the bible lets us know how we can extend our days come on somebody 
and it lets us know how we can shorten our days. That's Proverbs. So somebody's thinking like, oh, that was just their time to die. Many times it's not just their time to die. It's because they were living foolishly. Come on, somebody. Or somebody did something. Can I keep it real this morning? He says it's appointed once. In other words, as long as you live, unless Jesus returns, at some point you're going to die. And then the judgment. So judgment, will you'll either stand before Christ's judgment seat when Christ returns or when it is that you die. And at that point is when you will be standing before God. But I love this. I love this. Here we go. I'm almost done. Uh, there are two dynamics of Christ's judgment. I'm about to get excited. In fact, happy dance in advance. Look at this. I love this. I love this. Two dynamics of Christ's judgment. And I want you to write this down. The Bema seat. Somebody's right. B-E-M-A. The Bema seat. And the great white throne. The great white throne. So there are two of them. The Bema seat. B-E-M-A. Or the great white throne. The Bema seat is indicative of receiving of rewards. Whereas the great white throne is seen as a place of execution where the goats will be judged. Are you with me? So here it is. Here it is. I want you, if you will, if you look with me, let's look at the Bema seat. Just two of them and we're out of here. First Corinthians chapter three. This is good stuff here. First Corinthians chapter three. Can you please go there with me? Uh, First Corinthians chapter three. And we're going to look at verse 10 through 16. The Bible says, this is Paul declaring, Paul was an apostle. In other words, he was one of the people on which the church was founded. God used to establish the church of God. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. Somebody say a foundation. And someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds on it. Come on, somebody. For no one can lay a foundation other than which was laid, which is Christ Jesus. Paul is making clear here. So he's saying, when it is that I started building, as he's talking about uh, the work of labor that he did in establishing, God used him to establish the church. The foundation that he lays is Christ. Come on. And no one can lay another foundation. In other words, in this judgment that we're getting ready to look at, the foundation of it is Christ. And that's some good news because it tells us that those who stand in this judgment are not standing with their selves as a foundation. Oh man, I feel like taking laps. Y'all didn't hear what I just said. The foundation in this judgment at the Bema seat is Jesus. His death. His righteousness. His burial. Come on. His resurrection. All of that is at the foundation of this judgment. And so it's based upon those of us who this judgment is especially for those who have given their lives to Christ. This Bema seat is a place where and now and so this judgment, this Bema seat, watch this. This Bema seat is where believers stand before Christ to determine how, not where they will spend eternity. Write that down. In other words, this foundation that was laid is, uh, is in Christ. And so when you, what you do with Christ is, the, is what determines where you will spend eternity. But even though this is the case, the Bible is clear. So no, that's good news. Some of y'all should have shouted right there. It's what you do with Jesus that determines where. It's not my works that determine where. 
However, although this is the case, the found now I stand before Christ as a believer to give account for how I built upon this foundation of Christ as a believer. Because some of us we feel, oh, now I'm saved, I'm headed for heaven, that's a moving on up. And we're going to heaven one glad morning when this, and we just have this escapist mentality, like we don't have to give an account. But even you and your believing, sanctified, tongue talking, water baptized, come on, somebody, even yourself, your non cussing self, and whoever, whatever you righteousness you think you have that will exclude you, you and I still have to stand before Jesus and give an account for what we did as a believer. And we're going to look next week because how we use, how we build upon it is going to, it's not going to determine our salvation, but there are rewards. Remember I told you to shine like a diamond. Remember that? Remember I told you in, in, in uh, Daniel chapter 12, it talked about those who go and encourage people to come to Christ and all of this, that they're going to shine because there are rewards that happen for believers when we build in a godly way on the foundation of Christ that we receive through faith. Are you with me? Let's look at this. Let's look at this. Let's look at this. First Corinthians chapter three. It makes it clear. Look at this here. Verse 12. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation, look at what he lists with gold, silver, precious stones. Somebody say precious stones. And then he goes on and he lists some others. Wood, hay, straw. Each one's work will become manifest. So remember I told you about those chairs? Remember we used the chairs as an example? That there's a time coming when I had to test them. And my testing of them declared to me whether or not they had structural integrity. This is good stuff, y'all. I'm, I'm, I'm preaching myself happy. But he says, look, look at what it says here. Uh, so he lists two types, precious stones and then also uh, stones that are cheap. Uh, or, or things that are cheap, wood, hay, and straw. So it determines how we build. What uh, these, these types of materials are indicative of the type of things that we do. Whether good, whether godly, whether to advance God's kingdom, or whether, on the other side, to advance ourselves and our pleasure and our lives and our desires. Are you with me? And so these are the two types of things that we can use to build on the foundation of Christ. And look at what he says here. Each one's work will become manifest for the day will reveal it. The day will disclose it. That day that's talking in, ref in reference to the judgment day. Whether it's when Christ returns and we stand before him or whether you and I pass away and we stand before him. That day will reveal, even if you are a believer, talking about the bema seat of Christ whether or not or what type of works you have used what type of metals or material you have used to build on christ are you still with me and look at this because some of us think we're just going for going to heaven and there's no possibility of loss so there's no possibility of consequence for how it is that we live once we go to christ i'm saved hallelujah glory to god you're saved i'm thankful for that the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. Everybody say a reward. See, many of us don't even know this is in scripture. 
You think that you're just living and that the things that you do for Christ, that your reward is heaven. How many of you know your reward is not heaven? How many of you know you can't earn heaven? That came from the foundation. But there are rewards that you and I as believers, and we're going to look at a parable next week. I can't wait to unpack it. Don't miss next week. Look at your neighbor. Tell them, don't miss it. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. We're going to go deeper next week. But there are rewards and the scripture is clear that our lives, that there's more to our lives than just you making it to heaven. And so your work is going to be tested. Your work is going to be tested. And it, just like with fire, those precious metals, when they're heated up, it purifies them. Come on, somebody. It just reveals the more how precious those stones are. But when, what happens when you, when you put wood in the fire? Burns up. What happens when you put straw in the fire? Burns up. It all just burns up. I don't want to stand before Jesus and have my works tested and everything that I did in my life burns up and goes up in smoke. We cannot be to the place where we are just satisfied with salvation, where we're just satisfied that one glad morning we're going to fly away. I wonder if it's about 10 of y'all in here today that say, I'm not just satisfied with just one day when the skies crack that Jesus is going to be there and now he'll welcome me and all these songs we sing. I'm looking forward to hearing not just an enter in, but a well done. My good and faithful servant. Come on. There's more than just cracking the skies. And this determines, is determined. And this is how you know that this judgment or this aspect of Christ's judgment is related to believers. Are you still with me? Look at what it says here. Look at what it says here. It will be revealed by fire in verse 13. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. And this is good. Watch verse 15. If anyone's work is burnt up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved. So even if you build with stupidness, even if you are saved and live like a wastesuit, you still will make it in because of your foundation. But you'll suffer loss. And I don't know about you, but that's not, what, what type of life is that? And we're going to talk and unpack that more next week as to what that looks like. Are you with me still? But there's one more. Somebody say one more. You know, and I just want to encourage you because some of you think that I'm just saying you're, that we don't have to give an account for our actions. No, there's another judgment. And this is the judgment that you don't want to stand in. The Bible says uh, in Revelation chapter 20, turn with me to Revelation, which is the last book in the Bible. There's a guy named John who had uh, who this these things were revealed to him when he was one of the founders of the church as well. One of the followers, of, original followers of Jesus. And he has this revelation at Revelation chapter 20. And it goes along with what it says throughout scripture. Revelation chapter 20, verse 11 through 15 says, then I saw a great white throne and he or him who was seated on it, referring to Jesus from his presence, the earth. And the sky fled away. And no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before the throne. There it is again. Game of Thrones. Here is his, this throne. This is known as the great, great white throne. One more time, say great white throne. And it makes it clear. It says that, the, that, uh, that he was seated in another. It says before the throne and books were opened. 
And another book was open, which was the book of life. And this is that book which you want your name in. And you get it in there not by working, not by being perfect, but by putting trust in Jesus and what he did. Come on, somebody. According to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. And death and Hades or hell gave up the dead who were in them. And then the Bible says, and they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades or hell were thrown into the lake of fire. So this is, this is even bigger than hell, which is happening right now. And when people die, they either go to hell or they go to be with Jesus. And so we find here that both death and hell are thrown into the lake of fire. And the Bible says, uh, not only this, and then it goes on and says in verse 15, and anyone, oh, this is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So notice that this judgment and this dynamic of judgment is different than the Bema seat. The end of the Bema seat judgment is those that stand before Christ in that dynamic, they're saved, although they're still giving account for their actions. And they have the foundation of Christ, so they're secure in that judgment. However, those who stand in the great white throne judgment, they stand before God without a mediator. They stand before God by themselves. You can't even, it's not even a good idea for you to stand before an earthly judge by yourself. Let, us, let alone stand before the only sovereign judge of the earth without Jesus. And the end of this is those whose names are not in the book of life. They will be thrown into the lake of fire, which is the second death. In, in me, I'm not trying to die twice. If you're a believer, you die once. You're an unbeliever, you die, get up, be judged, and then get, die again in the lake of fire. That's horrible. But I love it, I love it, I love it because the good news, the good news is that you and I, that God offers his love towards us. That even though there is wrath and God's throne of judgment is very real. And even though the fact remains, the fact remains that hell is real and judgment is real. That you and I have the opportunity, hear me, hear me, to stand before the bema seat of Christ. You and I have the opportunity today to stand before God with a mediator, with Jesus. Having his works applied to us, having him as our foundation. Come on, somebody. And so you and I today, there are two, two opportunities that I want to encourage you around today. Somebody is in here today and you're like, you know what? I'm not saved. I haven't given my life to Christ. I don't have Jesus as my foundation. I don't have Jesus as my mediator. I don't have Jesus as my representation. I encourage you in a moment. I'm going to tell you more about that. You should give your life to him. Respond to his love. Come on, somebody. He loves you with an everlasting love. And even though you and I, the Bible says, are born in sin shaped in iniquity which is which is sin another form of sin and we don't choose jesus naturally how many of you know nobody had to teach you how to sin 
It's something we inherited from the mistakes of our first parents, Adam and Eve. And the Bible says that the good news is that, that, that the good news is that although the wages of sin is death, which is dying because we all die at some point, like we said, but also death in that second death in the lake of fire that we talked about. But the gift of God is eternal life. Come on, somebody. That doesn't just start when Jesus comes back, but it can start today. Because Jesus came, he lived perfect on your behalf. That's why we say no perfect people are allowed here. He lived perfectly because we couldn't live perfect. He did that on your behalf. And then he died in your place. He took your punishment. And then he rose from the dead, sealing the deal. And today he says that he loves you. And that whoever believes in him, all you have to do is say yes to him. I believe that you died. I believe that you rose from the dead. And I receive that on my behalf. Be my foundation, Jesus. Come into my life. He says he'll forgive you of all of your sins. Your past and your present and even he'll make provision for your future. All things are passed away. All things have become new in Christ. And you put, just by you putting your trust in him, come on, he'll come into your heart from now. You don't have to do life alone. And when you stand before God, you'll be standing before God as a clean person. Because your destiny is secured for heaven. Come on, somebody. And so if you're that person, I want to encourage you to make that choice to trust Jesus today as your Savior. Give him your life. And number two, I'm going to make this and I'll pray for you at the end. And, and, uh, and we're going to talk more about this next week. You're a Christian. And you're a Christian, meaning you say, you know what? You gave your life to Christ. You've been baptized, many of you. And you're living. And ever since then, you've just been secured in that. And you've been living your life for yourself. I'm talking to Christians now. You're like, I'm just living my life. However I want to live my life, I'm just doing it. Thank God I'm going to heaven. Doing things that God's word clearly tells you not to do. When he's given you the power to overcome them. Because that's something that comes as well through giving your life to Christ. He gives you the power to be able to walk out of sin. I want you to be to a place. Yes, you're headed to heaven. That's fantastic. But I want to encourage you and I want to challenge you. Where are you building with straw and wood and stubble? Where, are you, where in your life are you building with that? I challenge you to start saying, you know what, whatever it takes. Is it coming out to prayer on Thursdays, you know, and joining with a, a body of believers to, you know, gather, to gain some strength, spiritual strength? Is it, what is it? Is it calling somebody up and, and forgiving them because you've been holding on forgiveness? Is it you decide you got to move out, you know, with, uh, because you want to save yourself until marriage? Is it, uh, you know, or, or, or make yourself in a better position? Is it that you're going to stop? You know, what is it? What is it? Is it that you, you know, you've been abusing something? You've been... And you, you're saying, you know what, I need, to, I need to get out of this. I need to take the steps to go where I need to be so that I can build with stones and gold. And are you with me this morning? I want to challenge you and encourage you to be somebody who says, you know what? I want to stand before God. And when my work is tested, that it shows that it was precious stones and reward comes as a result. Come on, somebody some good stuff
I feel like somebody's going to get free today. 